0: Hello, my name is Brandon Boat, and you're listening to the Theater of Public Policy podcast. This show features a conversation with Minnesota State Auditor, Julie Blaha. We talked with Julie about what the heck a state auditor does, and how her past career as a teacher comes in handy while working with politicians. Our media sponsor for this season was MinPost, which provides reader-supported news and analysis. You can find out more information at Minpost.com. Okay, thank you so much for being here and being our guest this evening. Thank you. Uh, Minnesota State Auditor. State, You are elected statewide, right? Like all Minnesotans had the opportunity to vote on you. As- in
1: fact, I have the highest number of votes of any auditor in Minnesota history.
0: Wow.
1: And like I say in most of my speeches, and most people still have no idea who I am. <laughs>
0: And so let's do that first. Uh, what is it? What did people vote for you to? Do exactly.
1: Well, you know, I think uh, when you look at uh, a ticket like that, a long ballot, a lot of people were <coughs> voting for democratic values, right? They were voting for the party and people who stand for regular working people, that kind of thing. Uh, what I get to do now, though, is we in our office oversee about $40 billion in local government spending. We're all about local government and making sure that they keep their promises that the money goes where they say it's going to go, and that we can have trust in our neighbors who are working government.
0: And this is a thing that's been part of Minnesota for a long time. We've had state auditors as long as we've had a state, right?
1: True. Uh, The reason I'm only nineteenth, though, is we had one auditor, Stafford King, who was in for, I believe, over 40 years. Yeah, he was Wow, uh, that guy yeah.
0: did not let go.
1: No, no. He was... <laughs> and he had these barn burner speeches. Half of the collection about the state auditor and the Historical Society are pictures of Stafford King at wow. the State Fair, at uh, the Agricultural Society, standing there with a big stogie. He was quite the, quite the character. Can
0: I just... Add, so, and this is maybe segueing into what you do. Like, you were saying he gives barn burners of speeches. Was yeah. he... Like, what is a barn burner of an audit speech? <laughs> <laughs> I, I
1: Interesting. I don't know if I've totally figured it out yet, but uh, he would be talking a lot about patriotism. Uh, there was during it was during World War II, and he was giving these speeches about where is your flag, boys? Why is it in the back of the room? Why isn't it up front? I- I'm not sure if he talked a lot about auditing. He spent a lot of time talking about a lot of other stuff.
0: Okay, fair. And it kept him in office for 40 <laughs> Four, years. Yeah. So maybe being on an improv show isn't a bad choice. Uh, so. Okay, so uh, so they voted for you for those reasons, and now you're in office, and you're right. saying uh, overseeing forty billion dollars right. of uh, local government uh, money. So when you say like spending on what, like what, what, how is that money being spent? What are you looking for? How, just give us sort of the nuts and bolts of when you. What go I do? In. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, ba- our audit, our office uh, basically checks on things through audits investigations we do education we do reporting where we collect data and give it out to people so you can actually make a choice on facts not guesses uh and uh we also do investigations so uh we're looking at are we making sure that um federal money's being fe- spent on a federal program are you um are you uh, do you have the plans in place to catch fraud or problems? You know, a lot of what an audit is isn't checking every, every number as much as it's making sure you've got systems in place to catch problems. Uh, for instance, we had a place where we had to help them uh, build up their structures because they had credit cards. Right now, if in local government, people will use a credit card, uh, purchasing cards, and uh, you want to have a good system for that. Uh, so you don't have a situation like Shakopee School District where the superintendent. Wait, throw
0: Shakopee under the bus. I- yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, Shakopee came back, they, they rebuilt their system for it, but they, their superintendent was using their credit card um, for things like sports memorabilia alcohol. Uh, it was some, actually I have one of the investigators in the room, uh, and so it was, uh, we had to have a line in one of our uh, reports that said, we don't believe alcohol, uh, purchases of alcohol are in the public interest. So, uh, Even well, in, uh <laughs> I was in education, I,
0: <laughs> maybe, uh, but uh, have you seen the public lately? Uh, so, uh, so, okay, so you're doing that. Are you looking at, Every state or every local government, like uh, every city, every county,
1: every municipality, or who do you look at and who don't you? See, there's part of me that wishes we could. We have Ohio, for instance. They have 800 auditors on staff. They audit every state and municipal government level. In Minnesota, we we have about 80 staff members across the state. And, uh, and then we have to choose where we go. And that's, I think, the trick, is we have to say what is in the public interest and decide who, what we're going to check on. And we're doing our job really well, we're looking at risk. You know, where is it riskiest? Where are there complications? Where are there things that are high stakes? Where are there past problems? And are we going there? Uh, then there are some places we go because the legislature says this is where you go. Um, and usually there are places that can get tricky, like a joint powers group, that stuff can get complicated, so it's good to have eyes on that. Like
0: joint powers, like the Justice League,
1: very much, <laughs> or more, more like a group of counties getting together to share some healthcare services.
0: Same. Uh, Same. So, <laughs> okay, so you have to pick and choose where, where you right. go. Um,
1: how? How do you and pick that, and choose? Well, that's the challenge we're facing right now in our office. Um, we historically have had just very clear authorities. Like do you, the, the office is supposed to audit all the counties, all the health and human services groups, all of the cities of the first class. And so often it was built by these bright lines set by the legislature. What we saw in the last few years is that if the legislature can give you a, an authority, they can also take it away. So what we saw was with a uh, set of legislation that took away our exclusive kind of option to do the counties. And that was a huge part of our work because most of the safety net in Minnesota goes through the counties. So with some place we were working, they now got to choose and they could they could find a cheaper deal with a private firm. They went there.
0: So this is something we should talk about because yeah. there was there has been a lot of uh, discussion over the last few years about whether your office should exist, whether Julie also happened. should exist. Uh, well, so, a- as the auditor. <laughs> as the auditor. Uh, and so uh and well first of all that argument as uh, to just talk about that uh, piece about right w- the argument for the uh auditor not existing is oh well counties municipalities there are lots of private firms that can do this sort of oversight. So right. I we could hire a, you know, blah, 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 like accounting firm to run mm-hmm. the audit just as long as like they have to do an audit. So what is the problem with that uh, other than that we wouldn't get to have an auditor on the theater of public policy?
1: <laughs> I think that uh, when we look at uh, audits uh, right now, you know, we're talking about accountability in all kinds of parts of government. One of the things that uh, I think is important is you need to have someone who's got an eye on the big picture. You need to be able to see the big patterns. My worry is if we privatize too often, whether that is our office with local government or Department of Human Services, any of these places where we do audits, that we have, you know, so many different entities auditing that nobody sees a pattern. You start to think, oh, sure, that's a one-off over here, a one-off there. But there's a big pattern of problems, No one's going to see that.
0: Like, what? Can you give us an example of like a pattern of problems? Like,
1: for instance, talking about the credit cards. You know, we saw issues with credit cards. We'll put out a best practices about, hey, watch your credit cards. Uh, We see things from time to time with the Health and Human Services software being so complicated, they're just error after error and too difficult to do that uh, work that could lead to problems. We can be watching for that. We also gather data and we can see that, hey, government funding has fallen off. And when government funding falls off, services fall off. And sometimes you just have to tell that story of, hey, if you keep cutting government, uh, you're going to have a Harder time getting out of your driveway. I mean, it's really going to impact your so life. So
0: this is a very positive like, view of this. The, I mean, the other argument I've heard, and I don't know if you've made this explicitly, but mm-hmm. uh, people who have defended the auditor's office have said, well, if I as a county can go out and hire my own auditor, what's to stop me from just hiring an auditor that is just friendly uh, and doesn't right. really care uh, what I'm doing one way or another, right? Like, That's is exactly, that a thing?
1: That was really a problem. When, when this was coming out, you asked the public, uh, should someone be able to choose their own auditor? You know, you know that you're paying this person to do your audit. Now, you talk to auditors; they're good people, all right. They're not generally went into accounting for some nefarious purpose. This is really not the job. I hate to tell you, if you're looking at accounting to go off and and take over the world, it's gonna be a tough road to hope. But uh, I mean, they're good people. But uh, the public doesn't necessarily have that trust in the way that they would if you're truly independent. Independence is a huge part of auditing. What we can provide as an independent voice, but people can trust a private audit as long as they think we are keeping an eye on that audit firm. So sometimes what we do, one of the things we do, is we check the private firms. So if you do an audit, if you're a private firm, you know, it's, you know, Danger Inc. is doing a set of audits. uh, and, And who wouldn't choose an auditor?
0: Called Danger Inc. Who yeah. Who
1: wouldn't? Uh, and, and so you're doing the audits, and then what we do then, we come in and check your audits to see, check your work, and just say, hey, give us your work papers. We'll take a look and make sure you're doing your audit properly. So if we're not doing the audit, at least we should be checking the private firm that's doing that audit. And that keeps faith in the private sector which we need to be successful because we don't have 800 auditors. So we need a private sector that wants to do a public audit. But we also have to ensure that those audits can be trusted so people stay engaged in local government. So trying to find that balance of going as far as we need to go but no further. So, Okay, so
0: this is a a tricky question that I'm always interested in In offices like the auditor. I've asked this of Secretary of State Steve Simon and before that Mark Ritchie. you are an independent uh, entity, right? You're supposed We're to.
1: Co-equal. we co equal. We always say that we are co equal part of government.
0: And you are supposed to be looking at everyone sort of without fear or favor of them being. No you know, fear. Uh, no fear. <laughs> no favor. Uh, no favor. Yeah. <laughs> no favor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yet. You run as you even said at the top, like mm-hmm. as a Democrat, right? Like, and you run with Democratic values, and you run sort of as part of a ticket, as you even said. Right? How isn't
1: that a just different sort of set of complications? Well, it's interesting because, yeah, that was that was the idea. You'd think, oh, well, the partisan must be the one that is most partisan. However, you know, one of the reasons I ran as a Democrat is because Democrats like facts, and I kind of I have the <laughs> impression this is my this is my partisan self. Uh, I believe that. Uh, if you have good data, you have good information, you make good decisions and that 's what i and if our party ever uh, moves away from that idea, so will I. Uh, but I think one thing that's that 's good is I am directly accountable to voters i You can vote me straight out of office now, if I were appointed by the governor, well then you 've got to go around and, and vote out the governor. Uh, I think that that the legislative auditor for instance has a different set of challenges since his work is directed by twelve Legislators. I think that it's easier for me to be nonpartisan sometimes than him.
0: So, this is interesting. So, there is this other office, the legislative auditor, that is, uh, as you noted, um,
1: controlled, appointed, like uh, put together by 12 legislators. and they do state work. So state agencies are done by the legislative auditor. Local government is done by the state auditor. It's, it's different in every state. I know. It's, it's an it, I, You know, I love that I get to do this, though. You know, in local government is where a lot of partisanship gets to fall away. You don't have the luxury of an endless fight uh, like you might at the federal level. You... Have to get the roads cleared, or no one gets out of their driveway. Yeah. You have to deliver health care or people are in big trouble so there 's something great about getting to do this and I think another benefit of it being a partisan position is that you know my biases right out. you know mm-hmm. I think this idea that anybody is unbiased i think is is an illusion. We all have biases. The best choice is not to deny them but to correct for them. So you as voters now know, you know my biases, and you can be watching me and seeing if I am acting on those or if I am working hard to be as fair and honest as I can.
0: I, just a quick question on that. Are you in the legislative auditor friends? Like do you go to like legislative <laughs> or do you go to auditing parties? Or? You
1: know, we, uh, the closest thing to an auditing party was the National Association of State Comptrollers, Treasurers, and Auditors. Oh, yeah. You, a lot of khaki. Why weren't we performing there? <laughs> I know. Uh, I am, you know, a, a, it's a lot. Of, again, it was, it's it's exactly what you think it is. Uh, and I did get to uh, hang out with a couple people from their office, and we had a, a good time chatting. I think sometimes we feel like frenemies, though.
0: Frenemies.
1: You know, he audits our office. He's the one who audits oh. the auditor. They hadn't done it for six years, and when I came into office, I noticed that we hadn't had an audit for a long time. And that's a problem. If you're a new leader, you should ask for an audit. You want to have a baseline of where you are. You don't want to wait three years, and then I can just ba- blame the last auditor for everything. Uh, so I asked for an audit. We'll get our audit next year. So I think we're building some good relationships, but there's always a little, there's a little, little tension sometimes. Uh, but we're both... I think we both agree we want good information out there, and and so we do have some cooperation as well.
0: So you noted that uh, when the campaign was happening, probably a lot of folks didn't maybe know exactly what the auditor did. Maybe some of them were voting party ticket, and then some people probably were voting as we talked about like, oh, whether I actually want there to be an auditor or not in some ways, <laughs> right? Like um, most to people, do this.
1: Most, I, there are very few people that weren't legislators that didn't want an auditor. I mean, when it came right down to it, you ask people, do you want a watchdog that is paying attention, that is independently elected, directly accountable to you, watching local government. And there are very few people who say no to that. So if
0: we were doing that, your campaign again Oh, cool. right. Would, like, the right way to have... It to go
1: okay. I yeah. think we did it okay. But, I mean, like, <laughs> would
0: the right way to have that campaign be, like, you come out and say, if elected, I will audit these ten things, and your opponent would say, if elected, I would audit these ten things, and, like, you could decide which ones you think are more important to audit.
1: Well, you know, I think so, because, you know, one thing, that, one of the most important parts of my mandate is to go... Uh, where I need to go in the public interest. I'm supposed to judge everything against whether or not it's in the public interest. So I think that's what you ask. That's how you judge an audit candidate. What do you think is in the public interest? Uh, for instance, I, I believe we need to have a larger presence in school districts. It's our biggest expenditure in the state. Uh, I think we can all agree kids matter. Uh, and I would like us to see us have a larger presence there. People need to trust their school districts. you got to trust your schools so you can be involved in your schools. That's good for kids. So I want a larger uh, larger look at that.
0: Okay. Uh, and it, so in that piece of, like, looking outward, like, mm-hmm. building that public trust. So w- we did have your predecessor on. Right? Rebecca. I was there. I was yeah. at your show. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things I, I kind of brought up with her was, okay, it's this public-facing organization. And yet a lot of the things that you put out are not terribly fun uh, to read or uh, not even that they're not fun to read. They are just like written in a jargon that like uh, I have a master's in public policy and I couldn't get through the first like three sentences because they are just dense with like you have to literally know auditing language. So I guess the question, mm-hmm. who do you put Material. I, I know your communications person is here. That's weird. Who
1: do you put? <laughs> I know, he's but no, this. Who is, do you put stuff out in the world for? Well, you know, and that's how we're we're changing some of our we're evolving some of our communications options because you know when you talk to our auditors, people love our auditors. They love our staff. I, I kid you not. Uh, they. They they don't always love the leader, but they do love our staff. And and they our staff spends a lot of time explaining to people who, you know, they're 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 working in their field in the day and then they're doing the books for the township at night. We spend a lot of time working on technical things with regular people. And so our job now as me as a former math teacher and our communications director, our job is to translate it. So we're putting out reports, we're working to make sure that we help explain the patterns that we see in a way you can understand. And then once you have the basic understanding, then you can dig in. Then you can get into all the weeds you want to get into. And so that's, I think, our job. Our job is to to be the bridge between the deep, weedy, wonky goodness that we have and regular people who have to use this data.
0: Uh, okay. Let's talk – let's do like a, a best – Best of list: some okay. of the audit things that you've done. So, okay. Uh, oh, so this was one that uh, Fred does a lot of our research. He found that was good. So, Minnesota, st- uh, as a state, like in our state pensions and some of those kinds of things, still has two hundred ninety-seven million dollars invested in tobacco uh, companies and things like that. This was a report that this was just in the paper out. recently. Yeah. Yeah. This was just in the paper recently. So maybe just as well. A, can you just sort of talk about? That, but then also, why look into that? Why you know well, all the things? It's,
1: it's interesting because the um, I'm also on the board of investment. Um, one the constitutional officers, uh, except for Peggy, uh, are on the uh, board of investment. Oh, Peggy, not all of us are Lieutenant on Lieutenant Governor basis. Peggy Flanagan. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, didn't uh,
0: we that. didn't all make seed art for her wedding, uh, <laughs> I <didn't> so. <laughs>
1: if you talk to her, she thinks she, – she, you, would, you would feel that close to her. Uh, but uh, we are in charge of directing the $100 billion that we invest to support public pensions. That's, that, that investment – the money we make on that investment keeps one generation for paying for another. This is how my generation pays for my generation, and your generation will pay for your generation. So it's important to have this base of funding. That law was saying we will not actively invest in tobacco. When we have $100 billion, it's the passive funds. These are things that are just in index funds, and that's where you see tobacco money. That's where you'll see some of these investments. If you ask us to do every single um, transaction individually – actively it's going to cost a lot more money, and if we 're going to do that that's going to we 're going to have to backfill that fund to cover for that dramatic increase in cost so we can make active decisions um, we also as proxies we vote get to vote as a shareholder and a lot of large uh, uh, stakeholders we're trying to vote our values there as well that's an active engagement approach but so what you saw was legal it fit what the law said. Um, but if we want to de- divest from all of everything, it's a really complicated process. So that
0: was largely like, we're going to call attention to the fact that even though there is a state law that says we shouldn't be investing we in can, this. We
1: can't actively invest right. in Right,
0: it still is happening not, in this other way that maybe people were unaware of before right. that. Right, well,
1: and I think the legislature said, we're not going to say entire... You have bright lines like divest entirely from everything. Now you're going to have to individually invest every single dollar and that gets extremely expensive. So if we want to do that kind of work we just have to be honest with ourselves and say if we are going to fully divest at every level from something we better realize the real, the entire cost of that and you know I can support that kind of thing if we'll backfill that cost. That's that's fair. But we have to be honest about what that would really cost.
0: Uh, you, you also did one uh, local government's spend $8.7 million lobbying the state of yeah. Minnesota. Uh, you're the local person. You're the one, the connection to the local. So why were you throwing your local governments under the bus that way? You know,
1: I, we have a series of reports that we do that we're directed to do that every year, like our asset forfeiture report. We do it every year. We do a report on this, and I don't think that's throwing anybody under the bus. I mean, if you're doing something, it, you better stand the light of day. There's nothing wrong with that. And I would say uh, if you've ever worked at the legislature, you understand why if you're up in Kitson County, you might want a helper to try to help deal with St. Paul. And so I'd say if people would like to see less investment there, let's make it easier for local government to connect with the legislature, Uh, make it easier for people to... Uh, understand what they're doing and make good laws. Uh, I would say it's actually a little cheaper probably than them hiring individuals. They go through organizations primarily. But I think we have to keep an eye on that. Uh, I I don't think anything is inherently good or inherently bad. We have to look at why it's happening. And I think that if you're going to protect your uh, local government work, you have to have a presence at the legislature. And really, uh, if we want to change that, we should change how the legislature works. So uh,
0: I have more of these that we could do. But
1: I, I one last piece, because we're running out of time.
0: I should say in the second half of the show, we open up for you all to ask questions of our guests. So please start thinking about those. Uh, so these are sort of examples where the, the, you're investigating this, and then the remedy is putting it out into the public so people maybe know this in a, in a different way, right? right. Like. There's other times where you look into something and there's actual like wrongdoing of somebody, right? right? So what do you have how does that do you have
1: a police force? No. And uh, you know, there was this uh we I had this uh saw this article in a local paper that said I was pulling the rug out from under the Clarkfield Cafe. And if you know, I lo- love the
0: Clarkfield Cafe. I know. Uh, was,
1: who doesn't? And they said that
0: wherever it saying is. That
1: we, we had given them cease and desist orders and that we were going to seize their assets. So I asked the legal department, it's like, can we do that? And they said no, and then they told everybody, so now we really can't. But uh, the idea was that I, I, did, I did, though, have to say uh, I did get to sign a subpoena for books. Um, and it, it won't, without saying the name of the city, we didn't know if the city – existed. Uh because they were getting Wait. some money, we couldn't find a mayor, we couldn't find any we couldn't find There's a, a, lot a
0: town of- that we don't know if it exists or not. We're working not. on
1: it. We're working on it. And so we I got to sign a subpoena for those books. Uh now I'm a, I'm worried about them. I think we should go check and see how they're doing. Have you tried just driving out there? I mean, <laughs> I don't want to say because you could figure out who I'm talking about, but I think it's a we should take a peek. Uh,
0: so you don't have so you you can subpoena like you can try and get. Those I get uh,
1: we have a little bit of subpoena power. Of course, the legal staff builds it. I get to sign it.
0: But if like <laughs> I was in some town mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, auditor, I look it. I'm just embezzling like crazy. Like you would you we, could write a report and then be like. Somebody do something about this. We generally
1: then work with local law enforcement. Uh, A lot of the way that we get involved in those things are... But
0: they're on my ticket, too. Yeah, I've got this whole thing put together. (laughs)
1: Luckily, luckily, uh, most most investigations in Minnesota, uh, financial, any of that, uh, come through uh, whistleblowers. They come through tips. So, yeah. (laughs) I own the whistle factory
0: in town. (laughs)
1: Somebody, somebody has the guts to stand up for your town and talk to us about this, and then we will work with local law enforcement. We do the numbers; they do the lo- the criminal part, and then we will take action. Uh, but yes, if we see criminal work, criminal activity, we turn it over to law enforcement, or law enforcement engages us to do the financial part of the criminal investigation.
0: Well, on that ominous note, please help me in <laughs> be doing a big thank you for Julie Baja. We're going to take our seats in the audience. If you have a question, uh, just raise your hand. I will race towards you in a totally non-threatening way. Uh, and I will give you the microphone to ask your question. And then I will give you a sticker. Uh, or actually, right now, tonight they have magnets. Oh, that's a whole other level. Oh, you're the husband. I'm going to go here first.
1: All right. Hi, Julie. I'm wondering if... <laughs> um, If you, how much you miss uh, being in the classroom, and if um, you still feel like this is a really good fit for you, and you're using your skills, your math skills, but um, how much you miss the classroom, I guess.
0: Can I just say, this is either a total softball, or this will be a bombshell if you are like, (laughs) actually...
1: I'll tell you, I, I do miss teaching. I miss teaching. Uh, I was a middle school math teacher at Jackson Middle School in Champlain. Let's hear it for sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Uh, <laughs> really? I, I love them. I love them, love them, love them. And uh, I have to say, though, it's, I don't miss it like the, the two days before winter break or spring break wow. or MCA testing. I don't miss any of that. But uh, it, it's it's kind of a great opportunity now to try to take those skills, take complicated, sometimes not the most exciting uh, mathematical concepts and turn them into something someone could use. And that's really what middle school is about. It's about taking math, uh, well, at least in a math class in middle school, it's about taking, using math, actually using it. And so it's that same bridge. And now I'm seeing some of my students who are going into local government, who are doing that work, uh, which is fascinating. I, I, this new generation particularly of people in local government this last election, we got these great, young, new, fresh people who are running for really wonky, nerdy positions. It was not just all the glamour stuff. This new generation of activists, especially the younger generation, is amazing. They'll get in the weeds. They're ready to get wonky. This is why they show up for shows like this. I mean, it's, it's, really, it's a really great time to be supporting new people in local government. Cool. But I do miss teaching.
0: Okay, there is a- Julie, um, Mark Dayton and uh, um, Arnie Carlson have been auditor, and Paul Wellstone ran for auditor. That's true. And we know what happened to them. Uh, (laughs) um, Now that you've been auditor for almost a quarter of your term, what's on your horizon?
1: That's a very good question. You know, we talk about this. Uh, in fact, my uh, communications director, Donald, and I had to have that conversation because my first reaction after seeing the government's, governor's work up close is, no. Uh, but then again, my first reaction to doing this job was, no. Uh, two, three years ago, I couldn't have imagined I was here. And I think it's really important that we go where we're needed. This, I'm here because I believe this is where I was needed. So I'm going to go where I'm needed. Uh, and then we also mm-hmm. brainstorm... A couple more candidates. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I think, you know, some of it is, you just, you never know where you're going to be. And uh, I, I, though, I have to say it was really interesting some of these paths. Like uh, Paul Wellstone, Senator Wellstone, when he ran for auditor, he ran on an anti war platform, uh, which was, uh, yeah, a little difficult to. Fit into that, and then he admitted he wasn't good at math, and that hurt his chances uh, a bit <laughs> on there, too. Uh, but I can see why this is a good platform for other offices. When you're working in local government, you're working on everything. I mean, you're really getting in the nitty gritty of what affects people day to day. So you come out with a, this incredibly de- deep and wide. Uh, body of knowledge and ideas. Um, but right now, I love what I'm doing. I'm staying focused on what I'm doing. Is that how you're supposed to say it, I think? Uh, you know what? I'm just so happy to be where I am right I really am happy to be where I am right now. Who knows where we'll be next? Okay. There's somebody...
0: Well, it seems like a biased question. You've got to have, but that's fine. Okay, good. <laughs>
1: So I'm wondering if you can give us an anonymous example of when you had to use your middle school math teacher skills with adults. <laughs> oh, you do see, you know, a lot of us hold on to that adolescent behavior as to, to stay youthful uh, on there. I think, I think the first, what I saw at the best was the first time I testified on, my, on our budget. So we're in there, and it's kind of a hazing when you first start. So you're sitting there with your budget, and you've got these people... Staring you down and trying everything that middle schoolers do on the first day of school. I kid you not. It felt like that. So they would ask me these questions like, So what you're saying is, and saying some nefarious thing, and I could say, Oh, I'm so glad you answered that question. And it didn't rattle me at all because it's like, Oh, this feels like home. Oh, bless your heart. And I, you know, and I could see all the legislators as my students. You know, maybe there's that one who, you know, just broke up with their boyfriend, and bless their heart, they're a little stressed out, or you know, or like your great aunt Liz. Whose medication's a little off? I mean if you if you could see the people you work with as your family, as your kids, as people you dearly love, it's a lot more fun. You could see it as as, as kind of joyful no matter what they throw at you, there's an opportunity. It' also helps that I took comedy improv classes. I did Some of the people on this stage have taught me that change is fuel and str- you know you take it as a, everything's a gift uh, and if you can live in that place it's it's really a good time no matter. In fact, some of the really crazy stuff is the best part. So I really love it. I love
0: it. Okay, right here. There's a- Hi, Julie. I'm wondering if whether or not you are weighing in on the great trash debate in St. Paul, and oh. do you see this as an area of public interest?
1: Oh, that's a great question. You know, I am from, uh, I live in the city of Ramsey in Anoka County. And I'll tell you, from uh, the suburbs or from outside of the metro area, this stuff is fascinating uh, to watch. And, and, you know, I'm not weighing in because I really believe that local people, people closest to the issue, are the people who need to make the decision, right? Um, I am excited, though, if if there is a time when you'd like us to take a close investigation of how things work, we are at your service uh, for that. But I have to say that... The issue is fascinating to me. Um, I'm not weighing in, but I, I, I'm so excited that everyone is involved in this issue. You know, it's it's not the issue you'd expect to be bringing out our best and brightest uh, political minds right now, but is it, is. it though? people having some really interesting conversations because it comes right down to it, no issue is bigger than this. This idea that there are these, these local issues are small issues. No, they're the most important issues that you deal with them every day. So the one thing I'm most happy about is that trash is in the news and everybody's got an opinion on it. <laughs> I like that.
0: Okay, I'll ask you a, a, another one of those which has come up recently. Uh, I have, there have been some Folks calling. Uh, people may have noticed a few weeks ago, President Trump had a rally here in Minneapolis. There's a right. big tiff between Mayor Jacob Fry mm-hmm. and uh, the president about who should pay, and then the, the Target Center sent a bill to the Trump campaign. Some people did some digging and they found, well, wait a second, the amount that you're sending to President Trump is different than the amount that you charged uh, uh, President Obama to have a rally at a similar sort of time in their campaign or whatnot. Is that the kind of thing like, oh, well, how are you coming up with these numbers of how much you're charging a political candidate to have a rally? Is that the kind of thing the state auditor looks into?
1: You know, you know, the idea of how do you bid jobs, how do you handle your vendors, how do you price things? Yeah, those are the kind of things that we can, that we can certainly talk about. I mean, from what I could see, just briefly, without having an investigation of it, I'll tell you, uh, if you saw how big that event was, how many people were there boy, it looks like a good chunk of change to handle that stuff. I mean, that those numbers didn't seem out of line, particularly when you looked at other states had similar kinds of charges. Also, we've seen other states had issues getting the money. So I have no problem with somebody laying out clear um, payment structures to ensure that that taxpayers in Minnesota get uh, get their money. So I, I think that actually uh, the idea of asking for money up front, I don't I don't think there's a problem with that. Okay, so one
0: more follow-up with this, which is just we talked a little bit about that partisanship piece and like, that you mm-hmm. are independent or whatnot. Is there then some benefit to you looking into something that maybe on the face of it seems maybe more of a democratic thing, like right, investigate somewhere like Minneapolis, oh, sure. if nothing else, than to just show, look it, I look into you know, the folks who are supporting me just as much as I look into maybe the folks that you think are my opponents.
1: You know, I think it's really it's really tempting to do that, to do the balance and the uh, you know the equal time kind of a thing. But I don't know if that's in the public interest. I you know we did not have requests for people saying, "Will you check this out?" I mean, I certainly didn't have um, uh, the Donald give me a ring uh, on that. But I think it's, it's so. There are times when you just want to say, "Well, if I do this." On the Republican side, I do this on the Democratic side, it's even. And I think when you're really being honest, you have to be willing to go where the interest is. Um, Now, uh, with that said, the first bills that I got to testify on this year uh, that we were able to work out uh, uh, an agreement on, I testified with uh, uh, Republican Senator uh, Mary Kiffmeyer uh, and uh, uh, Representative Lucero. And so the very first bill I got to testify on was with Republicans. Um, It was interesting because, you know... uh, Senator Kiffmeyer and I have known each other for a long time. I'm from central Minnesota, too. Uh, so there were a few digs she sent my way. You know, so, but we were able to be on the same side, which was really powerful. And again, kind of a frenemy situation. But uh, it's, I don't want to just do something and say, I'm going to grab this politically and that politically. You don't want to be led by the politics. You need to be led by the money. And so you want to follow the money on that. Uh, but, hey, if, they, if there's something that you all want me to investigate, there are ways you can get me to do it. You can petition you can go out. You get signatures, and you can you get the right number of signatures. You can compel our office to do an audit uh, for you. Uh, and uh, and so, if you think I'm not following through like I should, you have the you have. Has the right that t- ever happened? It happens quite a bit. Really. Um, and w- how <laughs> many signatures
0: interest- do you need? Like, could we do it just like right now? Could like no, our well it depends. Uh,
1: what city? You need to have. I think it's uh, if I'm not right, it, it might be it's a certain percentage of the number of voters in the. Last presidential election, is it 20%? I'm thinking somebody might know this in the audience. Uh, and then for school districts, it's, uh, it's 10 signatures for uh, uh, every 50 students. So there's a certain bar that you need to hit. And you get those signatures, your county checks them, sends our way, and then we can take a look at what can be audited. Unfortunately, a lot of people are asking us to do things that are not auditable, it's tricky. We not an audit is something that you can compare, you're comparing something to an objective standard. So that's what an audit is. So we can't necessarily audit do you think they were being fair in hiring? I mean, that isn't there isn't necessarily an objective standard. But you can say did you categorize your numbers properly? Did you actually spend the funds in the right place. We can absolutely check that. Were you honest about your budget? Were you honest about your um, investments? Were you honest about your uh, balances? We can check that kind of a thing. Uh, so yeah, if you if you, you can you can petition us to do that. Cool. Okay. Uh, there was a hand.
0: Was it you? Or there was a hand there behind you. Okay. I'll do both. It's assuming we can do both. Yes.
1: Good. Hi hey, Julie. Hi <laughs> hey, Julie. Um, the uh, technology changes. Law changes you are literally dealing with bureaucrats, some of whom are still uncomfortable with the change from Roman to Arabic numerals. (laughs) How do you get people to change? Oh, that's... that's And I'll tell you, this happens a lot with our smaller entities. Uh, We really... Like, if you're in a township, you know, again, you've got... I tried to tell this kind of... The the character I have in my head is, you've got Marge, who's been doing the books for, for 50 years, if she goes out on a trip, she goes out to Sturgis on her Harley, you better be able to find the books, right? And, and a lot of times what we see are problems when people turn over. Uh, and we have problems where you've got people in some municipalities that don't have good broadband, so they can't run the software to get the reporting to us. You know, one of the things that we supported in the last legislative session was better broadband access. Because that in, in impacts people's ability to access government, uh, but we do. We have our own system we develop for townships, for instance, called Citas. Now I know this is getting really into interesting stuff. It is a. Uh, it's like a QuickBooks developed specifically for small government units in Minnesota, specifically, and we try to make it as easy as possible for you to get your numbers from your books into our hands. Uh, and so we spend a lot of time on the phone talking people through stressful times with spreadsheets. So it's it's a it's a it's only for Minnesota. Yeah, it's we uh, our office developed it. Our uh, we developed the technology, we developed the structures, and we do the training and all the support. So it's just for it.
0: it's like passive aggressive accounting. So just like
1: no, it's a good product. Uh, it, it, nobody does accounting alone. You don't go out there. Long gone are the times when you had the big uh, columns, uh, the big paper, and, and little pencils. No, we don't. It's everybody uses technology to do it right. Okay.
0: So there's one more. Question.
1: Um, What do you see as your biggest challenges over the next two years? I think it's finding that line, again, that public interest line. We're coming from a time where everything was bright lines for us. It's you do all of the counties. You're going to audit all of the joint powers. You're going to audit all of the health and human services. It was all very bright lines. And now this, uh, after the lawsuit, they said, okay, the lines aren't there anymore. I think there's an opportunity in that. I think we thought that those bright lines saved us. That was the easy thing. It just the, the legisl- I could just blame the legislature if I'm coming into your municipality. It's like, yeah, I'm going to charge you, but hey, you're mad at your senator. Uh, but the thing is, again, anything that they give us, they can take away, and they did. So our opportunity and challenge is to build on the idea of public interest, so build around risk, to build around – theory, build around a deeper philosophy, and I think that, that's going to actually be stronger for us. But that's a big undertaking. Um, It's a big, it's a great opportunity. It's it's scarier. It's not clear. It's not bright. But it's uh, ultimately, we're going to be much, much better for it.
0: So is there a piece of that where you need to communicate that to the public somehow. Like, if that's Mm -hmm. sort of... or Change that relationship with the public, right? So, like, you know, if the governor does a state of the state to say, like, this this, this is, like, oh, these are my values, this is what I want to do. Like, do you need to do, like, a state of the books? uh, (laughs) Or...
1: (laughs) I, I'm glad you brought that up out of nowhere. Uh, that I <laughs> here's the thing: we're trying, You know, one of the things we do is we do a series of uh, we do a series of reports. We have the county report, city report, township report, and you know, uh, the president uh, President Trump will get the State of the Union. Governor Walls will get the State of the State. We want the State of the. Local Main Street. I don't know the name. We we, so I'm just looking at you. You're trying to
0: figure out. I really, really
1: want to crowdsource a name here. Uh, What we want to do is take those trends so people see what's happening in local government. We'll be doing a listening tour around that. We'll be sharing our trends, Uh, but that idea where we get to be that local connection, and so it's state of the and that part. What state of the people? Oh. You all keep working on that. Again, we got lots of ideas on that, too. So,
0: if you, And then if you do that, then you will need, like, an improv comedy troupe. To I would think come. so.
1: I think that's the only I think that's the only wise choice. Okay, on that note of agreement, please, a big round of applause.
0: Thank you for listening. This show was recorded live at the Bryant Lake Bowl in Minneapolis. If you'd like to attend one of our live shows or are interested in working with us on an issue you're passionate about, you can find out more information on our website at www.t2p2.net and on Facebook and Twitter. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend about it. Thanks.